Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. All right, guys, welcome back to the show. This is Titus with my co-host, Thomas, and we are getting into a podcast I believe that you guys will really like, and it's a good discussion topic we took this from a guy named Billy Ginquinto. Um, he has a website and stuff like that, and he's actually probably going to be coming on the show here pretty soon if his health holds up. He's been having a little bit of health problems. We've been trying to get him on, but when we want to discuss this topic and go over the seven myths of waterfowling, and then we're going to have him on later down the road, and we're going to discuss some other things. But anyways, uh, before we get going, I did want to uh, ask Thomas how his week's going and how it's been the last week. <laughs> um amazing every day is uh a new day here in california i'm just counting down the days for waterfowl season we are uh what is today the 20th i'm gonna tell you how many days we're out right now today is no, the 20th I think. no it's like the 22nd or third why isn't my phone saying it's the 23rd we got, Holy we got 25 days to duck season we have five in our zone five days until early goose season this mm-hmm. Saturday. Mm-hmm. And hopefully we got a couple prospects that may or may not turn out, but <clears throat> I think they will. That's what I'm that's what I'm going for. Five days until early goose uh opens. And then like you said, what, three weeks? Twenty five days. Twenty five days until opening of our waterfowl season. And I was able I have been able to get out and kind of go around a couple of our local refuges here. And I was actually uh, encouraged and surprised to see quite a bit of birds in our area. Um, A lot of mallards, a lot of wood ducks. So I'm excited, man. I'm excited for duck season. We're ready. And uh, I'm being optimistic for this year. Me too. Like I said, I've been seeing more birds than normal around even where I'm at, which is not a heavily populated area for birds. Mm-hmm. So I've been encouraged by that. Seen a lot more birds flying around here. It seemed like the hatch was really good this year. But as far as my week's going, um, 
I was off today, which was sweet, which I never really off on Mondays except for when it slows down. But it's just a telltale sign to me that the duck season's upon us because I always uh, I'm a seasonal worker for the most part, and November's are really slow, and this time of year I get so slow, so gives me a lot of time to get out, start hunting. Only bummer is sometimes January can get pretty busy, and that's usually when migration's in full swing, but it is what it is. But yeah, like Thomas said, I, like you said, I'm pretty pumped about Saturday. Um, do I think it's going to be like lights out with anything? I don't think so, but... This is pretty funny. <clears throat> this will be funny to listen to like after season is over. Uh-huh. Like our preseason, yeah, know, opinions or whatever. Or during it. Right. Well, guys, just so you know, to, I mean, Thomas has been talking about this, and we're for sure doing it, and we're going to do our Dello best, so I don't know, man. We might, we for sure going to have podcasts every week, just like we've been doing, but we might have up to three. And I, I'm not, I mean, that's going to be tough to do that just because of making all the videos and stuff, too, for our YouTube channel, Mid-Valley Mercenaries, but um, we want to give you guys an update, like an updated like a weekly review or yeah, something? Yeah, like a weekly, um, what what would you call that, I guess? Overview of the hunt. Yeah, like a log. Like yeah. a, It's almost like an audio log of it. We're talking to everybody on the podcast, but right. kind of what happened, what birds we killed. what What's the weather been the like weather, migration? Yeah. Some, and... other, some other podcasts do it too, so I mm-hmm. guess you could say we're piggybacking or doing the same thing. That's fine. I think... I think every waterfowl podcast should because I think it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Hear, it doesn't have to be really long. No, and, and, and oh, that's what I was going to tell you guys too. Is we were also talking about making it pretty short, so like fifteen minutes, something like that, mm-hmm. just a quick go over it. Yeah, what was going on, how how it went, and maybe how things were going with everybody where you were at. <clears throat> just kind of a general, you know. Yeah, and those will they should start up next week. So you guys can, uh, if you don't watch the channel, watch our videos, because I'll I'll be making videos of those the the honker hunt. Um, you if you don't want to watch the videos and you just want to listen to the podcast and hear the update, we will have start rolling them out next week. So I'm actually looking forward to that because it's kind of like just another way to log it mm-hmm. and stuff. If you guys want to log your hunts, you should go check out Freelance Hunt Stats. As I actually started doing it when I was in Nebraska, and I am going to keep track is of this Is that an app, or is that just a website? It's a website, but when you do it on your, if you do it on your phone, it's it almost seems like an app. Oh, okay. It's super easy. Okay. Like, so easy. It's like, what, $2 a month or something? I think it, you can do it for free if you want to just log the kills, and there might be maybe something else, but that's Elliot over there with Freelance Duck Hunting. He has that, but if you pay the two ninety nine per month, you can do weather... Uh, weather, wind, um, I don't know. There's just like a bunch more details. Shot percentages or something Yes, like that, that's right? what it is. And shot percentages, yeah. like how I many, you know, you can keep that. Mm. I don't think I'm going to keep mine, just uh, my shot percentages this year, just because, I don't know, it kind of turns it more into like a, I don't know. There's nothing wrong with it. Mm-hmm. But I know how I am being competitive, and it's just like, <clears throat> I might not take, it probably helped me save some shells, honestly, mm-hmm. wait for better shots, but. I'm just not even going to worry about that. I, I want to just, my main thing is the weather, mm. temperatures, and what birds I'm harvesting. Yeah. And location too, right? You can yeah, put location. Your, mm-hmm. you know, that way and can we can see. do groups like Elliot was telling me and he puts out there. We can do groups. Mm. That's cool. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. we can, me, you, can traps, all of us can, yeah, and we can see what everybody's, uh-huh. you know, your total number of birds harvested, which bird you harvest is pretty cool. Yeah. I and I like I said I've done that before on my computer. I did it for three years and I was like, man, this is a pain. 
because it was all hand, manual input. Mm-hmm. Now it's just click, click. But anyways, uh, kind of kind of kilter there. But anyways, uh, you can also check out guys, um, a Duck Gun podcast, and that's our buddies over there, brother podcast with Elliot and Jordan. Jordan's the host, and Elliot's the co-host. They run a good podcast over there, have a lot of good guests and stuff like that. Check them out. And then also um, good friends with Ben Page over there at the Foul Front Podcast. So two good podcasts. Check them out. You won't regret it. And they've also helped us out a lot, sending people our way to hear our podcast. So anyways, before we get rolling in this uh, seven myths of waterfowl, um, I just wanted to go over our partnerships real quick. Motion Ducks. MotionDucks.com, guys. Check them out. They're awesome. It is a decoy spreader jerk rig system. I didn't say that last time I put this on the podcast. Most realistic thing you've ever seen. Usually pod, or, um, decoy uh, jerk strings have it in a line, mm-hmm. you know, and it's just not realistic. You got like four birds kind of like lined up perfectly as you pull it. It still works. It's still motion in the water. I'm not saying it doesn't work, but why I like motion ducks is the bo- the birds move independently They'll move together when you jerk it, but they're not all going the same way. They kind of do their own thing. Plus, you can keep adding. You can have four. It starts with four. Then you can add three, 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 three on top of it as many as you want. You can have 20 birds on that thing. Mm-hmm. And it's it sucks the birds in, me and Thomas. <clears throat> know that for a fact. Mm-hmm. He will Yeah, setup, setup is pretty easy. It's not heavy at all, you know, and it folds down into a compact little... Uh, little piece there so it's it's not like you're taking a whole lot more gear out if you have to walk somewhere or pack it in it's not a bunch of extra weight it's not a bunch of extra clutter and like you said it just it's just a lot more realistic you know they they are connected but they are they are moving independently so it's just it looks really good go check them out yep and get some good good news for you if you put in the code MVM Mike Victor Mike. When you go on there to order any spreader, whether it's just the feeders, which is two birds, or any of the other ones, you will get a free weight bag, which connects that just like you would on any type of jerk string setup. You need that weight. And the cool thing about this weight bag is you can it's light, it's empty, you can put up rocks, mud, whatever you want in it, or a weight, and use that to set up your jerk rig system. So put the code MVM in. When you order yours, and you will get a free anchor bag. It's a family company, yep. right? Yeah, These we might are, actually be guys hunting are with them based too. out of Washington. Yeah, right? cool dudes. Yeah, so go check them out. It's a good deal. Right next up is Eucanuba, and that is a great food. You hear me say it all the time. It's got chondroitin. It's got glucosamine in it, which will help your dog's joints stay good for many years to come. That's one thing a lot of dogs deal with is joint issues and stuff like that. So. I've been feeding Rocky Eucanuba for probably three months now. Veteran, veterinarian approved, at least mine anyways. He didn't even know what I was feeding him, and he couldn't stop talking enough about Rocky's hair coat, teeth, all that good stuff. All right, Eucanuba, awesome food, guys. Love it. Old Town, last but not least, and we'll get started this podcast. Go check them out at oldtowncanoe.com. They're a big-time partner of us. We really appreciate those guys over there. And we got our kayaks, the Discovery Solo 119 Solo kayak, and they are legit. Thomas can vouch for me on that one, too, as well. Yeah, they're they're like a hybrid of a canoe and a kayak. They're <clears throat> It's more of a canoe design, but they're, you know, they're saying that it's, uh, 
that handles more like a kayak. So these things are built for hunting, fishing, whatever you want to do on the water. So check them out. Yeah, and what's, their, uh, what's that called when you're going through the water? The tracking? The tracking. Yeah, that, that we got to get them out on the water anyways, but supposedly they track really good, and it's just it's legit. So, All right, let's get started. Thomas is going to open us up with uh, the number one myth, and uh, you guys can agree, disagree. You can. I, I would love to hear you guys' opinions in the reviews, if you can leave a review. And please, if you're on iTunes, leave five stars or whatever you think it's worth okay so now we're not just straight five stars we got a we got a one four star in there now and i won one star i think so (laughs) we must be dropping the ball somewhere in there but anyways no whatever you guys want to leave we it does help us out so please leave a rating and review if you're on itunes and what else uh we have that facebook podcast group like you guys to join yeah the mvm show podcast group on facebook go check it out a lot of people are uh, getting on there, and it's a good place for you as listeners. If you want to hear topics or you want to say something about a topic that we discussed already or just want to leave some comment, whatever, we're, uh, we created that so people who listen to this podcast would get together and discuss different things and you know share information. So yep. check it out. But, yeah, so we came across this guy – uh, probably a month ago, and he's somebody who's been here in California for a very, very long time. Um, he wrote, he's written up some articles and stuff like that. He's actually been on some TV shows and, and things, but one of them that he wrote up is uh, Seven Deadly Myths of Waterfowling. And you can agree or disagree, doesn't mean we. D- agree or disagree with everything on here, but I just thought it would be kind of interesting to talk about for for a little bit. <clears throat> so his uh, number one myth is ducks on water called ducks in air. And he writes a little bit short uh, paragraph below on it. He says, no, not never. Ducks are attracted because of the color of your decoys, location, and random sounds that ducks make on the water. Ducks in a pothole surrounded by tulies don't summon ducks hundreds of yards away. The airborne ducks hear these random sounds, but they're not communicating. There are certain sounds, however, that are more inviting to ducks, and they will attract waterfowl to your blind. Get these sounds, and you'll, you're in business. Expert instruction and field experience will help you learn these sounds. So ducks on the water call to ducks in the air. Myth. That seems kind of hard for me to believe, but I... I can't disagree with it, honestly. But but honestly, when I read that, it was kind of a... I had to stop and think about it for a second because I honestly thought... Like, you hear a couple mallards and one's going off and there's ducks in the air. You know what I mean? I've, yeah. I've always thought they've kind of talked to each other. And I think that... Well, my opinion of it is, how can anyone say what they're You're not, how do you know that's not right. what they're doing? Because yeah. there's a the thing, I mean, the way he words this is like, well, yeah, common sense says if there's ducks 200 yards away or hundreds of yards away, they're not calling them because they probably right. can't even see them. Right. I'm saying, you know what I'm it saying? It doesn't mean that a bird sitting on the water is not calling just to, just to attract birds. Yeah, exactly. So it's kind of, I mean, yeah. it's kind of open-ended. Maybe like, kind of questionable a little bit. Yeah, like if there was He's birds, very adamant though. He says no, not never. Right. So even if they're flying right over at 
fifty yards high, and he's saying they don't. They're not calling the birds in the water. Aren't calling the ones in the air. I don't know about that. A lot yeah. of people believe they are. Yeah, I don't know. I. But if you think about it, I couldn't say. Yes how do we no. know if they were or not? Like, are they looking up at them <laughs> and? Wah. But but here's the thing: birds in the air look down. Right. But are they just, like he's saying, are they just looking because of the colors and the birds actually in the water? It could be. I mean, what do you what we do can, you think? Nobody can say that. <clears throat> nobody yeah. can say that they're not, that's, they're, that's not true. Here's the thing, though. Ducks obviously can see very well. We know that for well, a yeah, fact, exactly, right? Exactly. They can see movement very well. So, I don't know. I don't know. Obviously, birds can see birds on the water. That's for a fact. Why couldn't a bird on the water see birds in the air? Well, they can see them, but he's just saying like but the ducks in the water aren't calling to those ones in the air. How, how's he I, know that? I don't know. I I can't hundred percent agree with. Well, it. exactly. Like, how can you just say that? Do you know what a bird's thinking? Like, are, <laughs> have you been in their brain? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I think it's possible they could. Not saying could they always way, do. Yeah, but we don't know the mind of a bird. Nobody right. does. If we did, we'd be. But I guess a, a better question is why does it matter if that if if it doesn't matter if you call. Why even go out there with calls? I guess he just says that there's sounds they're attracted to. Yeah. Later on, he says uh, there's certain sounds that are more inviting to ducks, and they'll attract waterfowl to your blind. So I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I'm gonna go with the undecided on that one. I yeah. can't fully agree with with that. I mean, we all do it. Every single one of us, probably including him, call to ducks in the air. Right. If that's the case, then why are you calling? So here's a question: Should you make sounds of ducks talking to other ducks on the water instead of trying to think about calling ducks in the air? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. If ducks, well, if right. this, if this is true, which we're not saying it is. If it is true, would you make sounds, let's say there's two dozen birds on the water, you're making sounds of a mallard, say you're mallard calling, you're making a sound that that duck would do to other ducks by him right. on the water. But but the thing is, like I'm thinking right now, a perfect illustration is, I'm just, like the hail call or the comeback call that people do is not necessarily... I was gonna say not necessarily a call ducks do on the water, but they do. I've heard ducks go wah, 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 you know, like mm-hmm. on the water. Mm-hmm. But people are assuming that the reason they're doing that is they're calling birds far away. Mm-hmm. But who who can say they are? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. Well, We've I mean, an actual <laughs> some of the hell calls that people do. I don't. I've no, never, I've never heard ducks. No, do. exactly. Especially competition, obviously. Right, I mean, right. we know. I think everybody mostly knows that. But yeah, yeah, like we have deemed things to be what they are. But how does that mean they are? Mm-hmm. Like a hell, like a hell call mm-hmm. or come back yeah. or whatever. Right. I've heard. I've I've seen. I've watched mallards in the water, and I've seen them do that call. Mm-hmm. I didn't see no birds flying over. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. All right. All right, well, let's move on to number two. Myth number two, he says, windless days are worse to hunt. I've said that. Yeah, oh, yeah, I think every duck hunter has said it. Probably. I want the wind out of the north. I want right. it blown 15 miles an hour plus. You want a windy plus. day. Yeah. I want a, a cold, north wind. Cold, windy, north wind. Yes. Well, he says that windless days are the 
that's a myth that windless days are worse than he says this depends on how many birds are in your areas which i agree with him there but calling is far and away more effective on windless bluebird days well i'll agree right there with him because you if it's super windy the birds can't hear you right yeah i mean if if you think they can on a windy day, go 100 yards from exactly. whoever's calling. With the wind blowing opposite. With the wind blowing, yeah. Away. Away from not. you. Yeah. And see how good you can hear that call. Mm-hmm. It don't matter if you got a acrylic call and you're letting it rip. Yeah. You can't hardly hear squat. Mm-hmm. So what do you think? So, I mean, okay, so he says in Pentel areas, he said, give me, which he's le- He's bringing it down to one bird, so that's really, I mean, I don't know. But he said, in pintail areas where you're shooting pintails, give me a 75-degree day, and every flock, pair, or single will respond to a pintail whistle from 2 a.m. to 2 p.m. What did I say? 10 a.m. to 2 p.m., sorry. Remember, waterfowlers generally leave the hunting area by 9.30 a.m., so later on, there's no calling or gun pressure. I... I definitely agree and see what he's saying about that, but he just brings it down to one bird. So to say that for all waterfowl is kind of like... That's kind of broad. broad. Yeah. It's paint a broad But I can agree with the specific pintail definition he's given there. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? The times. And I think that calling could be slightly more effective. Um, You know, birds can hear you a lot better and... And yes, like that. right. From farther but distances. The thing is, and, yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff that goes into that, and he does kind of list right. it. He says it depends how many birds are in your area. Obviously, you know what I mean. If there's no birds anywhere, it doesn't matter what kind of day it is. You know, you need birds to get up and move around. And but the fact, <laughs> a big fact is, sometimes birds don't want to move around as much on calm days. Sometimes. Not, I'm not mm-hmm. going to say every single time, but a lot of times on warm, different. warm, windless days, the birds aren't moving as much. Yeah, that's, it, their pattern seems different to me. Mm-hmm. They sit around loaf longer. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think he says these times he does 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. because they sit down longer. Then they decide to go ahead and pick up and stretch. They're basically just going around and stretch their wings almost. Mm-hmm. I can I I can't tell you how many times I've been in these specific ponds. It's like clockwork. Mm-hmm. Nothing, 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 nothing. When you normally get birds when there's wind and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden, flocks like pairs, mm-hmm. pairs will come. They'll look around and then they'll go back to wherever mm-hmm. they're hanging out, like the clothes zone or something like yeah. that. Or they'll come in and work you. Bottom line, it's it's either one. They're either going to come in or they're just looking and then they go back. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and you can tell. For the most part. I, I'm not going to say, but like he says, he, he covers himself by saying, depends on how many birds in the area. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's You're breaking a myth, but then again, you're saying, if there's a ton of birds, well, of course. I mean, mm-hmm. so it's kind of like, bottom line, to me, I just kind of somewhat disagree with one. They're, I went, they're not the best days to hunt. No. A north, cold northwest, a he, north wind is the best day to hunt. Yeah. So what is what is the worst day to hunt then? Because he don't say whether it's cloudy or clear or what. To me, he just cloudy says days, windless not days. Cool. Period. That's all he said. Yeah, I do so not like a, overcast. A windless overcast. overcast day to me would be way hot, worse. Hot, yeah. no wind. Mm-hmm. 
muggy, just yeah. That that's been I my will experience. Definitely agree. That's, they can see you better. Yep. Mm-hmm. So you got that against you. Mm-hmm. There is no wind, and it's warm. Mm-hmm. I mean, everything you can think of wrong is all in that combo. Mm-hmm. Even if that was like in, I've seen, I've been in days like that, like in January, days like that, mm-hmm. and it's horrible. Yeah. And maybe if it's not there's, but there's birds in the area. Mm-hmm. It's you just gotta get hidden so good, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. So, anyways. All right, myth number three: you can call most birds. Some yes, most no. Save your breath. You can tell which birds or flocks will respond to a call by listening to the beat of their wings. Watching the beat. Oh, does that say listening? Yeah, it says listen. This one says watch. It says if they flutter, you can call them. If they fly erratic, you can call them. But if they are high flying, in formation, and uh, bent for leather, drop the call. Pick and choose the birds to call. Calling at every flock makes the ducks call shy, and your confidence will fade when they don't respond. Honestly, this is pretty much common sense, I would mm-hmm. say. Mm-hmm. You, Anybody who watches ducks long enough can tell the difference between ducks who are on a mission mm-hmm. to go somewhere they want to go and ducks that are flying around kind of slightly looking around you know what i mean well it's common sense to uh, guys that have duck hunted for a while but guys listening to this right now that are new to it this mm. is definitely a good thing for them to listen to yeah because i mean if you if it's if they're beat if they're if they you got to watch birds enough to know what a normal wing beat looks like but it's just a consistent just deal like tom said if they're up high the wings are consistently doing the same thing there's no change of pace or pattern it depends. You could call at them, but a lot of times they know where they're going. They ain't stopping. Yeah, most of the time you can tell they're on a they're on a line. They don't. They're not looking. They're going straight for somewhere they want to go. They know where they're going already. You can let's say you even try to call them. You hit them with a call real quick. They do not even change anything. It's <laughs> like you didn't even call. Yeah, they're still their wing beats exactly the same. They're going straight for wherever they they were going in the first place. You don't exist, basically. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They don't care what you do. They're going somewhere that they want to go already. So, But you, I, get, you get that little erratic, little weird glitch, flutter, almost, you want to say, flutter. in their wing. Yeah, uh-huh. like a little quick flutter. They're thinking about it. Right. They're interested. So, yes. And, and a lot of guys, I mean, if you look anywhere for calling ducks and stuff like that, everybody will say, you know, if you if you hit them with a call and they they'll respond right away. That's when you know if they're mm-hmm. if you if you can call them. You know, right? Um, so, like he says, some yes, most no. Save your breath. So, if you do that and and they don't they don't change their behaviors at all, I, absolutely save your breath because it doesn't matter what you do. It gets you more frustrated. Too. Yeah. Then yeah. Yes. You do that Keep long calling. enough, then you're going to be irritated. And and you shouldn't be because that's just the way it is. Those mm-hmm. birds aren't, they going somewhere, they're going south, whatever they're doing. Mm-hmm. They're migrating, they're on a mission. Just, yeah, save your breath. It's not It's not a bad thing. <laughs> no, I mean, it's, there's, there's kind of a lot that goes to that. There can be certain birds that, I've seen birds before where it's like, there's no way. Like, this... It's a waste of time to call. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, boom, 
they drop like a rock. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what in the, you know, what is going on? Like, why? Yeah. Why them? But then some birds, it's like, yeah, there's no way somebody will call it. And yeah, they just keep going. You know what I mean? So I think to me, height, height of birds is a factor too. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There's birds that are a mile high and guys want to hail call. It's like, meh. I don't know about that, dude. Like we know some people like that. Yeah. Um, but then you get birds that are maybe, a, you know, 150 yards up or something like that, mm-hmm. where it's like, man, those birds are high, you know. But you hit them. It just depends on 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 the birds, I guess, and your calling style. I've seen guys that can be fairly aggressive on a call and drop birds from a pretty good height up you know mm-hmm. and then uh i've seen some guys try to do it and it, it just don't work so all right. all right myth number four you need hen decoys in your spread this is very interesting to me yeah okay so what he says is ducks are attracted to color they can't distinguish one species of hen from another which of course he, see how he does that there one species of hen from another Mm -hmm. because we're talking about hen you don't need hen decoys Mm -hmm. but then he's saying why is he talking about that but all right birds will readily respond to colorful spreads because they can see them easier from greater distances if there is one technique that will have an immediate impact on your success rate it's using all males he says or drakes in your decoy spread so get out the paintbrush and paint your hands or better yet use flat primer paints in a spray can (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's interesting to me. I, I color does attract. It, it makes sense to a point. Like, why do you? Why do you have to have a hen? Do you think if you had half dozen or a dozen Drake Mallard decoys out, and you use a hen call to call for birds, you think they're going to look down and say, oh, "I don't see a hen." I no, I don't think so. <laughs> I, you know, I don't. I don't think so either. I definitely would say there's there's not one thing wrong with having a predominantly male spread. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? I agree with you. It's just the fact, in my opinion, it's not... I don't look at it that way of, oh, hens or drakes. Yes, the colors are going to attract more like drake shutters, drake mallards, uh, mm-hmm. drake bufflehead, drake buffleheads, drake buffleheads, like any t- bright type of color mm-hmm. that really stands out. But having the hens in there is more just for numbers and and num- more birds, a bigger spread. Uh huh. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's not. I'm not thinking of it as an oh, we got ten hens out there with thirty drakes. That's mm-hmm. gonna mess it up because there's ten mm-hmm. hens. I'm more thinking it's just more birds sitting out there clumped mm-hmm. up. Here's the thing too. I've heard a lot of people say, "Oh, black decoys." Mm-hmm. Black decoys. If you're not mo- if you're right. not using them, you're missing out. So there again, color it, is black a color. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess it is. The thing is, the question is, how much does your decoy stand out on the water you're hunting? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? There's there's a lot of water where a black decoy is gonna stick out a lot. Are you talking about a black duck decoy? Or are you talking about a black decoy, like a coot? Just a black decoy. Period. Yeah. You know. They do, though. If you look from aerial views, like a drone or something, mm-hmm. you look down on a black mm-hmm. decoy, it stands out big time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But a hand's not black. No, huh? 
they're drab. They're mm-hmm. brown, brownish color. But I still think the silhouette, <clears throat> the shape, the form, all goes into play mm-hmm. to make that spread bigger. Mm-hmm. And obviously, where are you going to go buy all Drake packs? You're not. Nobody sells that. That's why he's saying get your paint out. Yeah. <laughs> are you going to do that, Thomas, this year? No. Paint all your hands? I'm not going to do it this year. Just because there's other stuff to do, but I don't know. It's an interesting. Oh, speaking of it's that, it's an interesting concept. You need to send me the link to that those lights, so I can order them today for my kayak. Oh, for okay. this weekend, I need to get it set up. Are you going to install that for me too? <laughs> <laughs> hey, funny, funny. Did you end up buying a battery yet for that? Mm-hmm. Where did you get it from? I got it on Amazon. They shipped here. I thought they don't ship batteries. Oh, 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 oh. Uh, for those lights? No. Actually, I am I take that back. I didn't buy a light specifically. No, for a battery. The, or I'm sorry, a battery specifically for that light. I might actually use a battery that I have already. What is, What kind is it, though? I was talking about getting a battery if I put um, a trolling motor on it. Oh. I don't think I'm going to do that. So now. you haven't got a battery yet? Mm-mm. Yeah. But, uh, but what's I, the? I mean, can I get a super small battery? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Like and that's, what voltage? That's like, most likely what I'm going to use. It's 12 volt, but it's real small. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like a motorcycle. Can, you, can I go get it at Craigens? Yeah, or yeah. Amazon. Yeah. Okay. You can get. Uh, I mean, Amazon has them too for. I just don't know if they'll 20, ship them. Twenty now. bucks. Yeah, I ju- I just got one on Amazon. You just said you didn't have one. I bought a small seal sealed lead acid battery. For something else that I have, and they'll ship that. Uh huh. Wow. Yeah. I thought Amazon. It was only like twenty bucks. And it's little. Yeah. Like it's how little. Much it weigh? weighs like six pounds. Really? Uh huh. Oh, sweet. So I can order that all today then. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, sorry to give off topic. I guess you're you're bringing the next one out, right? Yeah. Uh, so myth number five: diving ducks in salt water taste fishy. Wrong. He says, as soon as you retrieve a diver, immediately draw it out. No, immediately draw it. Otherwise, it will sour. Then diving ducks will taste every bit as good as or better than puddle ducks. So better? Mm-hmm. That's a yeah. that seems like a big big stretch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. There's so much controversy, and I I think what it comes down to after talking to uh, oh man, I'm horrible with names. Are you talking about our our, uh, our podcast episode? Yeah, episode with uh, Hank Shaw. Hank Shaw. I mean, I I think it really. Whose word depends. are you going to take, better? I'm going to take his. Exactly. It depends on how guys. That's episode you episode number twenty nine. If you have not heard that one, never cook waterfowl wrong game with Hank Shaw. You have to listen to that. I'm telling if you. If you don't listen to any other podcast we do, go Seriously. listen to that podcast because it it was awesome. Guy's a great dude. We have that's the big and the biggest hit so far on our our podcast was that episode right there. I I mean I really enjoyed it because you don't come across too many people that will cook waterfowl as much as he has. Exactly. You know what I mean. And he's hunting them too. A he's lot not of, just cooking. you know there are guys that have hunting um, cookbooks. You know, cooking wild game and all this and that. Yeah. But he, nobody has a whole has a dedicated waterfowl. Mm-hmm. You know, cookbook. And Several people ordered that book too after that podcast. They were telling me. Oh really? Yeah, I, and I they're like, I'm so glad I did. I yeah. bought it myself because yeah. it's like, I don't want to get in a rut of only making, you know, pepper sticks with 
with pepper sticks or poppers. Yeah. Yeah, or fajitas. I mean, we've done it a few ways, but we don't honestly we're not doing it right. I mean, no. Most people aren't really doing justice for the warfare. Right. And I'll be the first to raise my hand. Absolutely. No. You know, and it's I don't no think offense. I don't think anybody doesn't want to do better right. a better job at cooking it because right. we all love to duck hunt. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know, we eat what we shoot, right? So you know, you I know you get tired and you know stuff like that and it's like, you know, what, I'll just breast it and um, get it made into pepper sticks at the end of the mm-hmm. year or halfway through the year or something like that. But man, if you if he was saying pintail, canvas back, or what was the third bird? Oh, there was one more bird that he said are premium. Like, do not, don't freeze I them. I thought it was just mallard. I didn't think there was another one. Was it mallard? No, I don't think he, it was mallard. It was, it was wood just, duck. It was a wood duck. Are you sure? Yeah, I'm 100% positive. Because I just know he was just like Pintel can will never mess up and a canvas back. I thought those were just the main. No, no, I remember specifically he said wood duck, canvas back or a Pintel. If you shoot one that's not all blown to smithereens, he goes those are the birds that if you can, don't freeze them, pluck them and do, do them fresh. Do yeah. them fresh. He I said, agree with those. The, those are the best. Wood the ducks best. are incredible. And just if I shoot a canvas back, we shoot them so rare. That's so rare that we shoot them as like. Yeah, you almost want to mount every one of them you get because it's just like ah man. Yeah, but those guys that shoot divers all the time, that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. but there's a difference well, though, guys. Like that, if you're listening, our, our limit is two. So because we go, if we go out in the bay and shoot them, he said that is going to affect the taste of them. Mm-hmm. But yeah, what we're, they, what we're they, getting all in that podcast. Well, yeah, but as we're talking about cooking them in the salt water and stuff. Uh-huh. Those are in the bay. Those are salt water. They are going to be a little fishy. He said that. What he was referring to, the best in the world you can get is like the Midwest where they used to have celery farms mm. where they were eat, they were feeding on celery. So, I mean, they were just, what they were eating was just incredible. Yeah. Their taste was incredible. He said still, they're still pretty good. But what I wanted to say about this topic was the fact that that isn't, I don't agree with that one bit that they're just as good or better. Mm-hmm. Because here's the thing. He was saying, you got to skin those those puppies out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if there's any fat at all, that it's going to ruin it. Yeah, because it's they're eating fish. It's going to taste like fish, he said. Yeah, they're eating invertebrates and yeah. all kinds of stuff like that. Crab, I mean, you crabs. are what you eat, right? You're eating kind of less less uh, tasty stuff. That bird's going to taste like what it's been eating. Yeah. You know, corn-fed mallard's going to taste way better. Yeah, but he said if you skin it out, because the fat is what holds in that flavor, mm. the bad or good flavor. Mm-hmm. But if you skin out a bird that has been in that salt water, he said, yes, you're not going to tell the difference. So that's something more you're just going to end up resting out. Yeah. So anyways, all right, number myth number six, we're, we only got two more left. Myth number six, expensive duck calls work better than cheaper models. That's a myth. He said, don't believe it. If you know what, when and how loud to blow any duck call will work. Most hunters waste their money switching calls every year. Instead, why not try to perfect your skills with the one call that's comfortable for you? 100% agree with that. I'll agree with it. You know, as soon to a point, I think there are... Who, but who have you ever heard say that more expensive models work better? I've never even heard nobody no, ever say that. Uh-uh. But I mean, people do buy expensive calls. We, do, we have too, though. I'll no, swear by those JJ Lairs. No, I know. 
But I mean, but to me, uh, uh, if all I could have was a uh, Bud Gardner double nasty, the rest of my life, I'd be one hundred percent fine with it. I think once you find a call that suits you, well, that's what he's saying. Yeah, don't change. Yeah, no, because what, what, let's say if you're not that good of a caller, you, you know, you don't really know what you're doing to begin with. But I mean, some calls are. Easier to blow than others. You know what I mean? It depends on who you are. Right. And everybody's different. So mm-hmm. just because this, your best hunting buddy says, you know, this is the best call in the world, you might not be able to be that great with that call because everybody's diaphragm and air pressures and all that's different. So, but yeah, absolutely. I, I wouldn't say, I, there's no need to buy all kinds of expensive calls. Although think, people just enjoy that. Well, that's the thing is I want to say, people aren't necessarily buying it because they think it's going to be better or bring more birds in. Mm-hmm. They just have a problem with buying duck calls. Yeah, it's like me with hats, dude. I mm-hmm. have, I have, I'm looking at a wall full of probably thirty hats. I got some in my closet right here. I got one sitting right by me, and I'll buy another one tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I like stinking hats. Yeah. There's no, and I don't feel bad for buying more hats. Mm-hmm. So some guys want to just, oh, that looks like a pretty call. It may mm-hmm. sound like junk. Yeah. They just like buying them. Right. Me, personally, <clears throat> I got the JJ layers, and I got the Double Nasty on my, my lanyard, and that's all I'll ever need. Personally, just for mallet calls anyways. I mean, other calls are different. But, but he does say, if you know what, when, and mm-hmm. how allowed to blow, any duck call will work. So, yeah, I mean, a less... Uh, uh, not as good of a, a call is better in the hands of somebody who really knows how to call ducks in a hunting situation mm-hmm. than, than the best possible call in the world with somebody who don't know what they're doing. So, yep. I mean, obviously. So, mm-hmm. All right. Myth number seven, the last myth we got. It's the mallard call will attract all species of ducks. So he says this is a myth. Then right below that he says, yes. Up to a point. However, as the season progresses, the use of whistles for whistling birds is more effective. For whistling birds. Mm-hmm. Hunters don't use whistles because they don't understand what whistling birds want to hear. In fact, as mallards become mallard call shy, they'll readily come to a pintail whistle later in the season. Remember also that ducks will respond better to calling when there is very little gunning pressure in your area. I mean... <laughs> nail was hit on the head right there mm-hmm. in that last one. I mean, it don't matter how great you call or what. It doesn't matter what you're doing. It, as soon as somebody shoots nearby, those birds are going to flare up. So, yeah. Doesn't mean that they won't continue to work because they can. But, I mean, that's just probably the biggest factor for us here in California is on public ground. We have... We have, you know, a, a good number of people around. So when birds are working, um, somebody across the refuge 500 yards away can shoot, and uh, those birds will flare up. So, But <clears throat> I I can agree with this. Mm-hmm. I can agree with this for sure. You know? He's even kinda, even he's the kind of saying it does attract all species to a point. Right. He just bringing in the fact that the whistle helps too, but... Man, I don't, I just, the stuff he's saying, I'm just, not all of it, but some of them just like, well, I don't know. There's not a lot of people I know that don't have a whistle on their, mm-hmm. 
on their lanyard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I know there this is. This was there. written up a little while ago, so maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe people have come into whistles that's more. That's true. Because he might have wrote this back in the eighties, for mm-hmm. all we know. Mm-hmm. I don't know exactly. It doesn't say when he wrote it, but mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, so that's true. That that's, could have been a fad that changed over the years. You know. Yeah. I nobody, mean, nobody had whistles. On I've, their... We've, I mean, we've called mallards in with whistles before. I mean, sometimes, and you, and this coat goes back to calling. I mean, sometimes you'll be calling out birds with with a mallard call, and you can tell they they don't like it. That you know they're call shy. Yeah. Or they they'll even flare. You know. So that's when you gotta start changing things up. Like, okay, maybe I won't call at all, or maybe. Maybe I'll use the whistle, see what they do with that, you know? Yeah. I think, you know, anything can work, but what will work better, you're just going to have to figure that out in the field at your, at that time. Right. Because things change throughout the year, mm-hmm. you know? So just because just because when I'm using my mallard, my favorite mallard call and it was bringing Widgeon and Bintel in right. at the beginning of the year, halfway through the season, that could totally be totally be the worst thing you do mm-hmm. to try to call those birds, you know? Yeah. So you know and that's the thing is experiences like that make people think there's nothing else that works better. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? You have one experience where like this witch oh, call wow, that worked. Called a mallard in. Yeah. And now for the rest of your life, uh-huh. you're gonna argue with any and everybody that this <laughs> works. But like you said, two months down the road at the end of the season it ain't working. But mm-hmm. just because it happened that one time, you like, oh yeah, this Yeah. You just got to be flexible uh-huh. in what you do. And you got to be very cognizant and aware, you know, of what's going on. People just, like I said, they get something locked in their head and then they just forever, mm-hmm. they won't change it. Mm-hmm. They'll just won't believe it, whether it's, they know it's working or not. Yeah. But it's like, you've got to always be able to adapt. That's really the word I want to look at. You got to mm-hmm. be able to adapt what's going on. Mm-hmm. Okay. This was working in uh, opening the first month of season mm-hmm. and now this ain't working no more because more hunters mm-hmm. or more they're doing this or their pressure or whatever. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Yeah. Be flexible. And then some guys take, take that to the extreme and like, <laughs> just go crazy on what, what it could be like, why, why is it? Why are they doing this? It's move these and we'll do this and we'll do that. But you kind of have to really be flexible, you know? Yep. No, this is good. This is a good uh, topic and podcast today. Hope you guys enjoyed it, and let us know what you guys think. Whether it's um, you know, in the MBM Show podcast group on Facebook, yeah, give us your opinions. Yeah. What you think on it, and what your experience has been. Whether or not these myths were actual myths, or if there's some truth to them. Yeah, and write down in the reviews too. Express your opinions there also. But uh, Thomas, before we close this out and finish it for the day, is that? The beard I see coming back. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you could call it that, but that, are you sure? It, okay. I'm not gonna shave, so okay. That, there you go. That's what you want to say. Are you gonna be doing that dill that uh, what's his name was saying you I'm, should try? I'm gonna have to put a lot of um, black paint on my face. <laughs> get these hit, get these peach fuzz to be black. It's not peach fuzz. <laughs> they're yeah, cry, they're crying to come out. Have freedom. <laughs> <laughs> Are you, so are you going to do that, Dill? What, what what's are you his talking name about? The bar, barber. What he said about trimming it down and letting it where it's all uh, evening out. Yeah, sure. I don't care. I'm just asking you. Yeah, I'll probably do it. Well, guys, 
we thank you for your thumbs up on that video because it worked. We're we're our, it's like four hundred thirty eight, so we're d- between three hundred and five hundred. So Thomas won. Maybe I'll just grow a goatee then. Oh, <laughs> uh, so not a full facial hair. That's all I could grow anyway. No, blimey. All right, well, guys, we're looking forward to duck season. We're looking forward. Well, we'll we we've been having podcasts pretty much every. Tuesday and Friday, and then a season progresses, and we're starting hunting. We're going to give you the hunt updates. I don't know exactly yet exactly what we'll call it, but you can listen on listen in on what happened in our hunts, the weather in the area, all that good stuff. That will be starting up next week, and it'll be opening of early honker season or goose season. So, all right, guys, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Yeah.